The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in flesh! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to uh, today's edition of the uh, Tom Sumner Program and Armchair Politics contained therein. Uh, we're uh, heading into the second half of today's edition of Armchair Politics. And our panel of political pundits includes our roundtable regulars on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome back. Always good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican, Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome back to you as well. Thank you, Tom. And joining us for today's edition, political operative, Bobby Clayton Walton. Bobby, welcome back to you as well. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um turns out the political convention held in a parking lot was the proper one after all. In an ongoing fight for influence in the Hillsdale County Republican Party, the Michigan GOP has picked a side as it <laughs> pertains to this weekend's state convention. The state party Friday chose to recognize delegates from an alternate convention of Ooh. members who were disavowed by county party leadership held last Thursday in a Hillsdale parking lot. Those 13 delegates will get to vote for statewide party nominees this Saturday, August 27th, in Lansing. A letter from the Michigan GOP states Hillsdale GOP leadership broke state party rules while the parking lot convention followed proper procedures. Of the, of the 13 delegates and 13 alternates submitted from Hillsdale Leadership's convention, just nine were people elected by voters in the August 2nd primary. All 26 from the parking lot convention were legitimate. <laughs> Is this grassroots politics at its best? <laughs> that will show up, guys. This is grassroots that, that whole maybe scenario. Maybe that will show up in the convention. The parking lot. <laughs> Yeah, that would disrupt this week's end convention. That you broke politics. Do you think do you think there will be disruption? Will there be protests? Yes. Well, I don't think they bring their guns or anything, but I think Do you think uh, they're gonna rank it's not like there's some real serious divisions going on there. Do you think they're gonna those are serious. That's probably the first time in the country that that's ever happened. Do you do you think that there there's going to be some wrangling over uh, Tudor Dixon's um, LG pick? Yes. yes. You do. Yes, I do. Do you think interesting? You, is you know, that is that particular county GOP party um, organization the only one in Michigan that has this kind of dissension? 
Well, that's the only one I've heard of. Everybody, guess, guys, the new people took the party over in Genesee County. And they guided the proceedings. And uh, the traditional delegates had to draw lots to be selected. Now, they're usually hard work and, and uh, the jobs that you do and the influence that you have make you that kind of a delegate that they want to see go to the state convention, but not this one. The people say, well, we're all delegates. We were all elected by the people in this uh, jurisdiction, and therefore we're all equal here, so we're going to change this. All of those in favor of my proposal say yes, <laughs> and, and they had it. It, Henry, like is this that. basically a struggle between the pro and anti, the, the Trump folks and the traditional Republicans? Well, I, I don't, I don't know whether it's all Trump being, or all just people that want to go a different direction. You know, the article you know, didn't say this specifically, Paul, but that's an interesting question, and it, it maybe seems a little bit like maybe the uh, parking lot convention was made up of more traditional Republicans while the ones that were you know slightly out of step with the rules uh, yeah, that's kind of what yeah. I guess were maybe yeah. Trumpers well, I read the article too yeah but, but it's pure guesswork but yeah. but you yeah. see what they did in Genesee County is perfectly legal is that's the way conventions to operate the people so, the majority of the people there who established position and leadership in the party temporarily, those are the ones that set the tone for the convention. And, so uh, what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say, Henry, is that the people who were chosen by Genesee County to represent the county in the convention yes. were those people who were elected on the precinct delegate slate. All of them. On, yes. on, the, primary, on the primary ballot, which we did this month, those people were the ones who drew lots, and it was sort of a, you know, luck of the draw as to who was chosen? No, first of all, the county had to vote that process in. And the traditional Republicans were outvoted. <laughs> you're you're talking the, about county, you're talking about county Republicans county being county split into two the groups. The who goes to the, yeah. to the state yeah. convention was, a lot, was, was drawn by lots? Well, this is how they decided. You had to, the only way. We had 274 delegates, guys, that had been elected at the district level. I don't think the Those Democrats... Those are the precinct the county, delegates. The, the precinct level. Um, to, to become delegates. Uh, so, but I don't... I didn't see well, any let me ask close this. resemblance of that in the Democratic Party. There were 274... Uh, elected. Statewide... I'm guessing? Yes. No. No. Countywide. For Genesee yeah, County? Yeah. Well, the Democratic, Par the Democratic Party does not... The function of a, of a precinct delegate within the Democratic Party is not the same as the function of a precinct delegate in the Republican Party, which is why you had more of them, because the Republican Party, it appears, are vying for some power and some position. Yes. And in the precinct delegate representation in the, the Democratic Party, we don't have that. We don't have we've that. We never, have a different... We've never had that kind of uh, presence of people. We can't elect anybody. Everybody here, almost, with the exception of the view, are Democrats. But there are new people now that uh, are becoming actively involved. 
And according to Matt, uh, people who have never run for the Flint City Council, who live in the city and who are, don't look like all of the people in the city of Flint, are going to have a space on the ballot where people will have an opportunity to vote. Isn't Matt Smith putting together a, 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 a t- panels of, of folks running for school boards? Oh, yes, county? yes. He's been doing that for two years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and all of those positions are filled. Yeah, three precinct you know, delegates from the Republican Party are in my neighborhood. You know, I, and, and I'm against politics and school board elections. I, you know, teachers so should be involved in teaching re- recent kids. years, obviously, and I, I'm seeing that there's all these slates of, of candidates for school boards yeah. we haven't seen before, for, to some degree for both parties, but maybe heavily for the Republicans, but for both parties. Well, uh, you know, when politics gets into the school district, it's going to be all politics. Kids will learn a little about uh, the theory of evolution or about... Um, well, it's all these social issues, the you know, natural race theory and, like and uh, yeah. things of that nature, yeah. I hate to see that happen, guys, but uh, that's what God gives me to live with. That's what's happening. Well, Michigan voters will see on their ballots this November a proposal to change lawmaker term limits and require financial disclosures for the highest state officials after Michigan's top election board approved the official wording. What was House Joint Resolution R is now Proposal 22-1, or Prop 1 for short, It would require state lawmakers, the governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, and attorney general to file annual financial disclosures, including income assets and positions they hold outside government. It would also replace current term limits for lawmakers with a 12-year total limit in any combination of the House or Senate. Currently, lawmakers can serve up to six years in the House and eight years in the Senate, for a 14-year total. Lawmakers in a bipartisan supermajority greenlighted the proposal in May after working with supporters um, group Voters for Transparency and Term Limits. When the legislature approves a ballot initiative, state law requires the state elections director, currently Jonathan Brader, to draft a 100-word accurate and impartial summary that voters will see when casting their vote. The Board of State canvassers voted 3-0 to zero on Friday to approve Brader's 100 words. The four-member bipartisan panel was without Republican Tony Daunt, who was absent for a family matter. Do you think term limits in the Michigan legislature should be shortened? No. Oh, not really. No. No. I don't like a minor I, tweak. I, I've guess I've what? Been we're agreeing again. For a long time, but, uh, but no, I don't see this fixing things. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, well, there's just too much back and forth. If the Republican gets then the Democrat next term votes uh, his will, and uh, we are just back and forth, and we can't live that way. We have to have some steady state. Well, part of the problem is that if you're a lawmaker, especially with the current situation, by the time you learn your job, you're looking for a new job. Yes. Yeah. And what effectively happens with term limits, and I'm against them completely, is you wind up with a government that is actually run by lobbyists and career bureaucrats because they're the ones that are there all the time. Very true. Very true. That is it. 
And people, uh, and they're not acu- they're not a, at, they're not at all accountable to the public. We don't no. elect them. We don't oversee them. We don't hold them accountable. So what we wind up with is with a government that is run by special interests, as we often like to call them. Tom, this is a, a, an instance where your audience can only get this kind of information from a show like this, where we can we are a little bit civil and hostile at the same time. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but 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 they will speak their minds and tell you what they think from both sides, and other people will tell you what you want to hear. I'm I'm just I'm just not a big fan of uh, of term limits, and I, I'm not either. I I yeah. prefer to think that we already have term limits. They're called By elections. The called an election. <laughs> and yes, election. if people would vote, I I almost think this this ongoing push for term limits is um, a little bit like the voters privatizing their franchise. <laughs> you, know, you know, they're saying... Yeah, and you know, I don't like the idea that, because I, I love the idea of financial disclosure. I think the more information the public has about the people who are making decisions is good. But I don't like it tied to this reduction in term limits because one is good and one is not. Yes. You will get no fight from me on that one. But those are two separate issues, aren't they? I think yes. they're on the same. The they're, same. They're question, part of the same. Well, they're part of the same the resolution, Paul. Um, it's it's. I think Prop One can can um, includes both items. It is two oh, items, okay. but I think they're all part of the same proposal. Oh yeah, that that is that is bad. Yeah. And, yeah, it's very and, bad. And those and those are the tricky ones. Those are the ones that politicians have gotten really good at creating. If yeah. you want more financial accountability, you got to cut the term limits by two years. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> and know, whose no, idea was that? Why would legislators want to cut their term limit? Because they they won't be there. They're doing some public good. They assume. And public good. You, you haven't learned the process. You haven't learned the process. Take how long it took the founding fathers to learn the process. They had to study history and the outcomes of various types of government before they chose the democratic form of government that we we should. And then it was only voted successfully by one vote, guys. So, so who were the guys on the panel that created this document? Oh, you're talking about this Prop 1? Yes. It sounds like, uh, let's see. Um, Michigan's top election board approved the official wording, but it was a uh, House joint resolution. Right. So here you have legislators. You have legislators who are saying, okay, you guys want more knowledge about our finances, and we're going to throw this in. I don't understand why they're throwing it in. It's like a poison pill. Yeah, yeah it kind of, kind of feels like that to me, too. Um, and, and maybe it's, it's uh, meant to derail the um, financial accountability. We have to... It may t- just do that. Well, yeah, I, can't, I, I can't derail Bobby's financial accountability. We've got to take a short break here, but we'll be back with more right after.
Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You are, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. 
Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we continue with today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program, featuring our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Bobby Clayton Walton. Um, one more thing from uh, from Lansing, and, and then we'll move on to some of the national headlines. Michigan's top election board Friday officially certified the results of the August 2nd primary election after voting and counting processes saw few bumps in the road. The Board of State canvassers voted 3-0 to zero to finalize election results from every county. State Elections Director Jonathan Brader said around 2.1 million voters participated in the election and slightly over half voted absentee. 2.1 million voters are almost as high as the primary in 2018, the last governor election year. One million plus absentee ballots is also the most of any primary except 2020, which was at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Are you surprised that the increase in absentee voting isn't more and or having a bigger impact on vote totals? Yeah, it's it's a good point. I I, I thought that, that would catch on and be. I, in fact, I thought we would almost evolve into a, a a majority absentee process after 2020. Well, I, it's I, I coming. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Henry. It's coming. Uh, remember, people want to get rid of the old uh, people that lived in a generation ago. They're computer literate. They're computer dependent. And they're going to drag that. And, and uh, all of this, this will change. It's a growth pattern. Yeah. Oh, Henry, you're so idealistic. Um, <laughs> the the <laughs> whole you. issue for me has been <laughs> that... This is not um, an argument. This is, this I is know. the future. 2020, we all received an application for an absentee ballot. Yeah. Every voter. Yeah. This year we did not. It was actually made, I think, illegal. Um, I believe that was one of the things that was done. But mm -hmm. also, the funding for it was probably cut by the by the state, yeah. so it was not done. In my okay. household, in mm -hmm. my household, three of us are on the permanent absentee voter list. One person got the application. Mine never arrived. I had to go into the clerk's office to get to my ballot and fill it out. Well, if I that happened, yeah, and if that happened in places where you were supposed to be getting an application and did not receive it, that would cut back on people's ability to vote absentee because it makes it a little bit more difficult. Yeah, I, I had a similar yeah. issue this past August, which was unusual. I did not, I, guys. Mine I had no problem the past. <laughs> mine, yeah. mine flowed through there just like a perfect shot. I didn't have any problems. Mine too, but I Henry. still went up to the township and voted. Well, if you look at the statistics, that's 66%. I had a difficult time. Paul had a difficult time. You did not. No, I didn't. And I, I'm sorry. I can't be political on that, guys. That's an honest answer. Sandy and I both got ours with no problem. and got them <laughs> turned in. You got to own a TV show. 
(laughs) My son Rick got got his, too. But I never got mine. And when I went in, they said, well, one was mailed out. And I said, well, it never arrived. Well, that's coming, please. Just allow it. When these people leave Lansing that voted, uh, kicked out the old traditional Republicans here, you will see a whole new wave of enthusiastic absentee voting. Well, I think if, uh, if I recall correctly, anyone may distribute absentee ballot applications. Like if I wanted to go door to door and hand out applications for absentee ballots, I could do so. Yeah. And again, those are applications, not the actual ballots. So right, all just the, the applications. We're, we're into conspiracies. It's, it's, it's just the application. That's right. That's right. Yes. Guys, right. please don't put down the new wave and technology because that's what people are going to go by in the future. And we're we're just holding it back. You know, people well, my argument has always been that the, the absentee vote is going to make for a better informed voter. It's going to give voters a chance to study the ballot, to look up the details of the proposals and things that you wouldn't ordinarily do when you walk yeah. in cold turkey to an, you know, a, a, a voting place. The other argument, I, I think, in favor of, of widespread absentee voting is I think about all the logistics that counties have got to go through on election day. You know, they've got to lug all the equipment out to all these various schools and churches and other places, set it up and hope that it all works. And then after a day, they've got to lug it all back to some warehouse someplace. Just the logistics of running the election would be much simpler, it seems, if you had a pure absentee election. Well, I think it'll go a step further. I I think we're less than 10 years away from uh, uh, doing online voting. Yeah, Yeah, it could be. Something like that, guys. Uh, I think you're absolutely... Colorado Colorado and Oregon, I believe, have nothing but absentee or mail-in ballots. I think you're right. And eventually that comes. We would learn how to like it and wonder where we were. Why haven't we had this before? But uh, we're just uh, change is difficult for some of us. Well, let's 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 move on to uh, turn the spotlight on some national things. We've become used to displays of braggadocio by politicians. See former President Donald Trump. I, bo- I borrowed that line from <laughs> a writer at CNN. That's why it's notable when a politician admits that the political winds might not be going their way. Such was the case when Senate GOP leader Mitch McConnell said last week that Republicans had a better chance of taking back the House than the Senate. Candidate candidate quality has a lot to do with it, he noted. Is Senator McConnell right? Is the GOP candidate bench weak? Yes. In several states. Pennsylvania, Ohio, and uh, and Georgia, especially, are yeah. so far. Yeah, Georgia's yeah. pretty bad. <clears throat> I but, was just uh, reading this morning an article about the Maryland governor's race. The Trump endorsed um, the Trump endorsed candidate won the primary for the GOP, and the governor's endorsed uh, candidate lost, and the governor. Uh, Larry Hogan is now attacking Cox, the uh, the GOP nominee who was the Trumper, uh, for being a weak candidate. He says now, you know, that he will not appeal to any Democrats, crossover voters, or independents, and I don't think he's wrong. And it sort of underscores exactly what McConnell said. Yeah. 
in at yeah, least. Yeah, you're right. It, it is surprising to hear McConnell say that. Uh, you, politicians rarely said those those things before elections. Yeah, guys, when you think about people who are running for the Senate, you don't have the people with a great tradition for achievement, for having done something that's worthwhile, that people want to see done. You don't have them with the the recognition, without vices attached to them. And uh, uh, you have people who are brought up to be uh, uh, separated by race, gender, and age, and so on and so forth. But those are not the things that people substantively look for. They look for the quality of the candidate. Yeah, but it seems more and more we're looking for candidates. Now, Liz Cheney is a good example of a good candidate. It it just seems like more and more, Henry, we're, we're starting to look for candidates that have no baggage, no past. Yes, and you ain't gonna find that too much. And no experience. Yeah, no experience. Well, that's yeah, where that's, that's where baggage, you know, comes from. <laughs> well, but, least... but we all carry baggage, and and I think the issue is which baggage are you carrying? And if the baggage you're carrying is an endorsement by Donald Trump, then currently that's not the best baggage to have. Oh well, in at least, but not so much good for the general election. In at least eleven states, the Republican nominee for the job of overseeing future elections is someone who has questioned, rejected, or tried to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Secretaries of state will play a critical role in managing and certifying the presidential election in 2024. The distinct possibility that some of these secretaries will be people with a history of election denial is a major challenge for American democracy, especially because former President Donald Trump, who is widely expected to run again in 2024, continues to pressure state officials to discard the will of voters. The Republican nominees for Secretary of State in the November 2022 midterm elections include three swing state candidates who have made efforts to overturn 2020 results in their states. Mark Fincham of Arizona, Christina Caramel of Michigan, and Jim Marchant of uh, Nevada. Is this a potential match that could light a fuse towards civil war? Oh, it's going to be uh, very, yeah, very good. We've got to bring oh, the country worry. back That's a serious together. worry. That's a serious worry. Yeah, that's I a mean, serious I worry. I don't, uh, but but I don't know whether they will do that or not. And I'm not so sure what the outcome of 2024 is going to be. Nobody does. People are changing no. all the time, and people are getting two messages. The same message from both sides of the political aisle. They say, well, the Republicans have raised $2.5 billion more than we have. The Democrats follow with them the same argument. So who do you believe? Well, well I think recent polls, have you seen the recent polls that show that the one concern for a voter right now is the loss of democracy? It has overtaken the financial concern. Yeah. You lose trust in the system. That's because it takes a long yeah. time to rebuild it, if you can do it at all. So, uh, I guess I have uh, a clandestine way, not clandestine, a non-committal um, viewpoint toward the outcome of the future, for now. 
something has to change that's different. Well, I've learned that expectations never are met anyway, so having them is a little bit of a problem. But you can predict the future on the past. Yes. And the past behavior of those who are upset because Donald Trump um, has lost the election and has they have now considered him raided. Um, the people that have done that in the past are violent people. And we've seen other societies and other nations go from and a democratic system to a an autocratic system of one kind or another. Yeah, that's my point. I'm glad you brought that up because that's the same way I feel. Anybody who's creating a government today, is thinking about, would never go to a democratic form of government. It's too unwieldy. Nobody well, believes. Anything. Well, that's that's uh, you know what Winston. That's what Winston Churchill yeah. said was democracy was the worst form of government except for all the others. Right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> autocratic government would be. We we'd like the, our country to be at least a little bit more autocratic. So well, we I'm I'm glad follow. Bobby brought up the uh, yeah. the raid in uh, at Mar-a-Lago. A U.S. magistrate judge started the process of potentially releasing some information from the affidavit that the Justice Department used to obtain a search warrant for former President Donald Trump's Florida residence. Uh, Judge Bruce Weinhardt said during a hearing at the West Palm Beach Courthouse that he was uh, planning to unseal portions of the affidavit, which is sought by various media outlets and other organizations. His uh, announcement came after the Justice Department, while arguing against the disclosure of the documents, revealed new, if not extremely vague, details about the investigation into the handling of classified documents from the Trump White House. A document unsealed Thursday which offered specifics about the crimes the Justice Department is investigating, including willful retention of national defense information, sharpens the focus on the former president as a possible subject of the criminal probe, several legal experts told CNN. Are Trump defenders damaging their case by drawing attention to the justifications for issuing the subpoenas to seize documents uh, from Mar-a-Lago, I think they are. Yeah, and I think I think also that letter that was released by the Trump people, uh, that was written by the uh, deputy director of the uh, National Archives, was also damaging to their argument. Yeah, I, you know, to tell you the truth, I'm kind of concerned about everybody stepping in and talking for the president. You know, I have a concern for that. I mean, against that, because only he can speak with uh, with a uh, a value that people will listen to and evaluate, not other people who uh, just make the president look worse. Well, yeah, as, as more details come yeah. out, it looks like things, it's just more yeah. and more damning all the time. As, as we He's big enough to handle his own weight. And he has done a good job in doing that. But all of these other people invading in, uh, that just muddies the water. But it seems like the people that we're hearing from are the people he has chosen to represent him at some place or another. Well, that's what it appears like, but we don't know that for certain. 
respect. Well, I don't know for certain a lot of things except where I am. See, I knew where you, how you were going to come back at me at that. So I, <laughs> that's why I said, please forgive me for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Henry, I love jousting with you. <laughs> well, the leaders of China and Russia both plan to attend November's G20 summit. Its host said Thursday, setting up a high-profile showdown with U.S. President Joe Biden. Indonesian President, I think it's Yoko... Uh, Widodo uh, told Bloomberg in an interview that he'd received assurances from both presidents Xi, uh, Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin that they would attend the conference scheduled for November on the Indonesian island of Bali. The presence of the two authoritarian leaders will ratchet up the stakes for the summit, which is the first G20 since the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the increase in tensions around the issue of Taiwan. What is on the agenda for the G20, and are there often, and in this case, two agendas? There's a whole lot of stuff boiling out there. Yeah, a lot of economic stuff for one thing, obviously, but I think the other agenda may just be what will be the relationship between uh, Biden and (coughs) Russia and China. Will they they greet each other warmly? Will they brush over the things going on in Ukraine and elsewhere? Taiwan? I don't know. I I think that's a real issue. And will they... The economics versus the politics. Yeah, and will they still see the United States as a mover, as a as a thing of value? With all of our well, politics, I mean, who are we? Where are we going? What Do would, we have control? Are does, we still a country? Does anybody Do have, have any whole? idea what would constitute a win for Joe Biden in November at the G20? If he could, if he could establish that we're going to support Taiwan while still recognizing the Republic of China, and get that off the table as a, as an issue, that would be a good thing. Yeah, it would. That, that's uh, something to consider. Uh, it's a good point. But I also was very, I was very disappointed in the past when we completely did away with that um, that agreement that we were writing up that treaty. Uh, about Asia. In fact, uh, Hillary Clinton decided she didn't like it either. And I think if it had been adopted, because I think it was introduced during the Obama administration, if it was adopted, it would have given us better leverage in the yeah. Asian community. Well, Asia and uh, Russia are firmly against the United States. They are adamantly well, against us. And we have to cognizant of that. And we have to act like a country that is sovereign and well-governed. We can't continue to look like we are like uh, maggots in a barrel. Guys, we gotta, we got to put it together, demonstrate to the world that we still count. We're still a nation to recognize. And, of course, Donald Trump did such a marvelous job of that when he was in the White House. <laughs> well, I'm not sure he did it all by himself, you know. Well, hey, here's really the NATO. Yeah. yeah, the ironic spinoff of the Ukraine situation is it's really rebuilt NATO in a way that uh, Trump almost destroyed. 
I got one more thing. Instead of intimidating people, and and we got to encourage people to do the right thing. I I got to. I want to squeeze in one more thing before we go to break. Um, And uh, I'm, I'm, it's going to be a little tight. The Supreme Court on Friday sided with black voters who challenged Georgia's system of electing members to the state's Public Service Commission, which regulates public utilities in the state. The move was a rare example of the conservative court siding with voters over state officials in disputes regarding election rules, especially when the court is asked to act on an emergency basis. The Supreme Court restored a district court ruling requiring that this year's election for two of the commission seats be postponed so that the legislature could create a new system for electing commissioners. The unsigned order from the Supreme Court left the door open for the state's Republican officials to try again to get Georgia's rules for electing the commission revived for November's election. However, later Friday, Georgia indicated in a uh, court filing that it would not ask again for the appeals court to halt the trial judge's order before November's uh, election while the appeal on the merits played out. Is this action by the Supreme Court unexpected and perhaps unusual? Unusual. Yeah. I say yes to both. Yes. Uh, yeah. But, but in, a, in a way, guys, it does introduce something we've never seen before. The black, it benefits the black voters that, they, that Georgia and the South has always uh, kind of neglected. And that seems, that seems to be the only time that the Supreme Court um, rules in favor of voters over the officials, especially yes. when it comes to elections. And, I, and I'm thinking, like, for example, with uh, the drawing of district lines. Right, right. Uh, it, well, it one shows, thought is, is this an attempt for the court to kind of uh, get rid of the partisan image it has had in recent years and make it appear to be a little in, bit In recent months. Partisan organization? It appears to be partisan, but my question is, and maybe I'm misunderstanding what you read, that they bucked it back to the legislature to come up with a new system. Does that mean the system would be fairer? No, you don't know what, uh, once they take a vote in uh, the legislature, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. So they have to put regulations to it. You don't. And you also, does that mean also that there will not be an election because of the time element that's into it, because if they are, they're going to have an appeal, it appears that that was part of it also. That it would uh, actually, be what, what the piece said, Bobby, was that the Supreme Court um, sided with black voters who were pushing for a change in the system. That does not mean that once the change occurred, it's going to be a good change. Yeah. Yes, True. and also, but I'm thinking of the time element, that it wouldn't be would there be time for it to be, even if they got the new system, for it to be elect, to be voted on this fall? And did they let enough of black commenters add to the comment and the direction of, for the outcome? Did they give them a chance to add to it so it's more favorable to blacks? I don't know. Probably not. But I don't either. Tom, it's a rather it may, complex, Tom, it it's a complex more, question. Yeah. Tom says he thinks it might be more. More than what we've asked for. It's a, it's a, it's a little uh, 
a little <laughs> inside baseball to be sure. Yeah, very, very anyway, inside baseball when he gets on the details. Anyway, we got to take a, uh, a short break, but we'll be back with uh, the actual X-Files in the final segment <laughs> of today's edition of Armchair Politics. Stay tuned. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Loan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Flipflip Technology, My Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, Visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. 
Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company, and then ask for the gift card number over the phone. Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov slash AG for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone... I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the final segment of today's edition of Armchair Politics that features those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. And uh, we start out uh, in Pennsylvania. A Pennsylvania woman accused of stealing a laptop owned by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi during the January 6th riot at the Capitol is getting a break from House arrest this weekend. Riley Williams, 25, has been under house arrest since being indicted on charges in connection to the laptop theft last year, according to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Williams was granted an eight-hour break to go on a trip to the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair that begins Saturday, (laughs) a court order revealed. Less than a year after officials indicted her for her role in the deadly riot, Williams currently doesn't have a trial date, the newspaper reported, although her attorney said a status conference set for Friday could let her lawyers find a date. Williams is accused of a number of charges, including assaulting, resisting, or impeding certain officers, disorderly conduct, and entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds. Does a trip to a Renaissance festival contribute to a rioter's rehabilitation? <laughs> well, maybe they would put her in the stocks. That's right, yeah. yeah. You know, this is the 21st century. When a new definition replaces that old one. <laughs> well, that is the weirdest talk request. About, when I want to talk about witch hunts around, maybe that's, maybe that's what's going on at the Renaissance Festival. I don't know. <laughs> that's just one of the weirdest requests I've ever seen granted. Yeah. Well, you know, if I recall her correctly, she was a rather unusual person anyway. She was a little bit on the um, fringy side. I mean, I was not necessarily surprised that she would be out there riding with the rest of the GOP, but... She seemed to be one of those new world, new age kind of people anyway. Yeah. So yeah. It, it seems in That's character who, that she would want to make it to the to the Renaissance Festival. But you know, like I say, usually you expect those kind of things for a family funeral or some other kind of deeply personal event. But the Renaissance Festival, it's nice, but I don't know. <clears throat> well, cops usually... Well, maybe it's R&R. 
wait a minute. During the Renaissance Festival, you know, I'm always surprised to see ATMs at a Renaissance Fair. <laughs> but I wonder if it would be the same kind of weird to see an ankle bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, cops usually have a prime suspect. In this case, it's a primate suspect. The San Luis Obispo <laughs> County Sheriff's Office believes it was a little capuchin monkey that called 911 from a zoo last Saturday night. The call disconnected and dispatchers tried to call and text back, but there was no response, so deputies were sent to investigate. The, um, the the department said in a social media post. The address turned out to be the Zoo to You near Paso Robles, but the deputies found that no one there made the call. They finally deduced that a capuchin monkey named Route had uh, apparently picked up the zoo's cell phone, which was in a golf cart used to move about the property. We're told capuchin monkeys are very inquisitive and will grab anything and everything and just start pushing buttons, the office's post said. Do capuchin monkeys resemble the average voter? <laughs> I don't know. I would hate to insult the average voter, but I think they might be more yeah, much I, more I have a hunch there might be some kind of summary resemblance here. I'm or or maybe it's... I'm glad you didn't name a two-year-old. <laughs> maybe maybe it's, the boulder, uh, yeah. maybe that's <laughs> insulting to the capuchin monkeys. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gives, yeah. Gives the new definition of the word monkey business. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, two tourists in Venice, Italy, infuriated the city's mayor by riding motorized surfboards through the famed Grand Canal this week, prompting Mayor Luigi... Brugnaro to call them imbeciles who were making a mockery of Venice. Uh, Mayor Brug uh, Brugnaro posted video of the pair on Facebook and Twitter asking everyone in his city to help find the surfers as extra motivation. He offered a free dinner for anyone who could identify the two and bring them to justice. Venice is not Disneyland, the mayor wrote as he posted a second video showing the pair skimming their boards under an arched bridge in the city widely known for its serene beauty. Passersby gaped and filmed the spectacle. Brugnaro got his wish. The pair were tracked down and their boards were seized in short order, he said in an update on social media. The surfing scofflaws are visitors from Australia who have now been hit with fines of about $1,500, according to uh, the local newspaper. The mayor also wants to see them prosecuted for harming Venice's image. Might these so-called imbeciles have fit better in Venice Beach? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think the, it was they, they got the wrong map. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't. I can imagine. Maybe they were just on a lark and thought it would be great fun. Oh, I'm sure. And and that would be tempting if you had that equipment. Um, in fact, that maybe they had be... a little bit too much. Maybe they had a little bit too much of that nice Chianti. Yeah, too much vino. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would, that that may have even been on their bucket list. Who knows? Um, yeah. With, uh, let's see, 
we've got about three minutes left before we wrap up for today, and uh, we're all done with uh, the X Files and um, armchair politics. Except, you know, to to thank all of the participants and and also um, see if uh, in this last two and a half minutes or so, if anybody has any final thoughts or comments. <clears throat> I want to thank Miss Miss Baldwin for her excellent comments. She makes this a really important uh, program because she comes at you direct and deliberate, and she knows what she's talking about in most cases. She She only argues when she knows that she's going to lose. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) but I appreciate that. But, But. with respect to um, the governor, uh, when this uh, um, idea that she may not, she may have advised other governors around the country to be aware of that what's going on. With due respect to her, you remember when this story broke two years ago? I said anybody who does that to the governor deserves to be in jail. That was my, but I knew nothing of it. These are just new uh, revelations. But I want to make sure that we do justice to our governor uh, and give her the do with why she did that. I don't know, but um, yeah, I, it's something that's worthwhile discussing because other people know that as well. I'm not and sure the other left, governors needed a phone call. I'm, I'm sure they were all aware of what was going on in Michigan and got national coverage. And there were other states where there were at least somewhat similar activities going on. But, too. but this may have preceded all of that. And, and the person who argued this point, you'd have to go back to Jeff J.R., several of them that did that. And, 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 and one other thing, yeah, one, ahead, one other thing. Um, the, in your advertisement, the governor, the attorney general, uses the word imposture. Now, imposture is, a, is an adverb, but it should be a noun, imposture. <laughs> I'm sorry, oh, I think that was wrong. probably just a, uh, yeah. a, a pronunciation uh, slip. Yeah. I, you know, right. On the show, we pay attention to details. Yeah, we do. Or, Go ahead. It might have been It might have been from spell check. You know that spell check never can be counted on. <laughs> That's right. Um, it changes That's all true. kind of things sometimes. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I wanted, on the Democrats. On the Democrats. I wanted to say, Henry and, and everybody... I really look forward to the day when we can have a reunion and do something again because yeah, I'm going to miss it. these conversations. I think I think they're valuable for me. I know they're valuable for um, the public if they listen because um, it's good to exchange ideas and it's a good thing to explore things you hadn't thought of. And I thank Tom greatly for creating this and for, for yes. just bringing us all together. It's just been wonderful. Well, I want to that's, say that's thanks to our, uh, our roundtable regulars, uh, Paul Rosicki. Thank you, Paul. Henry, thank you. Thank you. And, and Bobby, it's, it's always a treat. And Henry is already trying to get people together to get the band back together. So we'll, we'll, we'll have yeah. that conversation in the very near future, perhaps Labor Day. Um, thank you. I and, look forward to it. In, in any event, that's Smoking George tickling the ivories, so i got to head back to the living room, but I'll be back tomorrow. Good night, everybody. The Sumner Program Good is night. a Bye-bye. live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. 
most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.